This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Everybody Lies, our House MD episode or podcast or whatever. (laughs) This is where we talk about house. Today, we're talking about, uh, do you know the episode title, Mike? Um, it is Babies in Bathwater. That's right. Very good. Oh, wow. We're, we're 18 episodes into this thing, yeah? Yeah, I know. It's, we're getting close to the the end of season one. Um, we only have about five more years left to get through the, the rest of the series. Sweet. Um, real quick, though, before we, before we get into the meat of the episode, uh, this episode begins with a husband and wife driving... Uh, the wife's driving. She's visibly pregnant, and they get pulled over because she she like I don't she, I don't remember exactly what happened. Like she, I think she kind of swerves a little bit. Yeah, she like she had a because they almost get an accident. I think she had like an absent seizure or something like that uh, for like a split second, and that's why uh, she thought she lost consciousness for a minute. I know they went into her eye and like her brain, and you know they did that animation thing where you know. Uh, the electrical, you know, currents being siphoned or whatever. Um, so she gets pulled over by this cop, and I could have sworn, uh, in my memory, not while I was watching it, but I was remembering back to the episode, uh, in preparation for doing this, and I was like, "Hey, wasn't that the same guy that played the marshal that took the bribe in uh, that episode, Mob Rules?" <laughs> and apparently, Ooh, the uh, the husband. No, the uh, the cop, the guy that played the oh. cop. And it turned out it wasn't, because uh, I looked him up. But that guy's name, the guy that played the U.S. Marshal, is named Greg Collins. And I I was right to think of him as a cop because <laughs> he has had a long, long list of, of jobs. Small jobs, but, but jobs nonetheless in the business. He started out on the TV series Webster. Uh, he was also on Knots Landing and the A-Team uh, episode of the A-Team uh, early on. But what I want to talk about is, Mike, I'm going to read some of his roles in, in movies and TV shows that he was in. See if you can um, if you can find a pattern. Uh, Annihilator. Uh, and I, I'll read the mo- movie name and then the role. Annihilator. Policeman. Uh, Perfect Strangers. Security Guard. L.A. Law. Bailiff. The ones that don't fit the pattern. He's like the uh, he's like the white Reginald Bill Johnson, is what you're saying. Exactly. Yes. The one the ones that don't fit the pattern are the, the most funny to me, though. Uh, Hooperman. Remember that show, Hooperman? No. It was uh, fucking uh, what's his name um, from Three's Company, uh, Ritter, John Ritter, Mr. Hooper. Yeah, John Ritter played Hooperman. Uh, here's what he's credited as. Man assaulting Hooperman. <laughs> Out of time. Cop number two. Um, let's see. Police Academy 6. City under siege. SWAT team leader. <laughs> he was on four episodes of Falcon Crest. <laughs> Here are his roles. Security guard number two. Guard number one. Security guard. Bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> The Brady's, the TV series from 1990, track security guard. 
track security guard? Yeah, apparently the security guard for the track. I guess at school makes no sense to me. Uh, sibling. You're blowing up, yo. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a notification for the elections happening today. Uh, let's see. Uh, sibling rivalry. Hotel security guard. <laughs> uh, let's see. He was on. Oh, uh, some TV series called P.S. I Love You. Okay. P.S.I. Like P period, S period, I period. And then L-U-V. And then the letter U. Here's his character's name. Megan. What? what? Where is this coming from? This is a 1991 television series. Uh, Wanda Talbert is a New York con artist. After being caught by the NYPD, she agrees to help them nail a criminal. What they didn't tell her was that she would have to testify against him. Oh, no. Who was in it? It looks like Connie. It is Connie Selica. Connie Selica and Greg Evigan from My Two Dads. Oh, my God, I want to see this now. Anyway, he was in an episode of that where he played Megan for some reason. Uh, he was in the movie Class Act with Kid and Play. Uh, his, oh, nice. his role in 1992? Cop. See, he's the only one who didn't have a role reversal in Class Act. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> a kid, uh, they, switched, uh, they switched schedules because kid was very good at academics and play was uh, good at athletics. Exactly. Uh, cool World, same year. Roll Cop. Cartoon Cop. He played Cop twice. Uh, let's see. Probably has a fucking uniform at home by this point, huh? Seriously. House Guest, 1995, the Sinbad movie with uh, Phil Hartman. Uh, his role, Cop. <laughs> Sisters, Security Guard. Jeez. Oh, wait. Hope and Gloria, 1995. His role, Stripper. Was he a was he was he a cop uh, when he came to the door? I was gonna say he had to have been a cop stripper, right? Uh, Family Matters, one episode. Officer Miller. Oh, nice. We have to watch that episode. He and Reginald Vell Johnson and the roles they were born to play. Cops. Exactly. Yeah, we'll have to watch that one. Uh, I'm not watching it actually. <laughs> Sharon's Secret, a TV movie. First officer. Yeah, but if you describe that episode of Family Matters, I've probably seen it already. I don't I don't know anything about it. Other than Officer Miller was in it. Uh Seinfeld, policeman. Uh let's see. He was in The Rock. Uh he played Private Gamble. Uh the, now here's uh, what? Here's a private event? How old is he in The Rock? <laughs> Seriously? Here's here's where now the kids are out of the house. I signed up for the military. Here's where he's he transitions into his military uh, stage of his career. Uh, Independence Day, the same year as The Rock. Military aid. Uh, he goes back to basics and is a security guard in Once You Meet a Stranger, a 1996 TV movie. Uh, and he's a guard, a, a you know, like uh, in in the movie Con Air in 1997. Oh, nice. Now, I don't know what this means. This is another one that breaks from the mold. Boy Meets World, 1998. Freezing guy. <laughs> so he's just like a, a guy that's cold outside. Or does a cop yell at him to freeze? Oh, it could be. Uh, Godzilla, 1998. Soldier on Bridge. L.A. Doctors, wow. <laughs> a TV series from 1999. Prison Guard. 
Let's see. I bet he's like an ex-cop or something like that. You know, it seems to be like those kind of people get those kind of roles because he can't have a look to him. It could be for sure. Uh, ready to or is a current cop since he doesn't seem to be in a lot of movies like once a year, twice a year. That's actually that's actually an interesting point. I wonder if he is an actual police officer. Do you remember the movie Ready to Rumble from two thousand? Um, I it's David Arquette and it's like a wrestling thing, right? Yeah. Uh, his role there, crusty veteran cop. <laughs> well, he's only a private in the military a year before. Yeah. Uh, same year, gone in 60 seconds, San Pedro cop. Ooh, ethnic. Yeah. <laughs> the district, a year later, Officer Dwayne Reston. Ooh, he's got a name now. Now you can't he's stop a, him. Yeah, exactly. Now, this is where he starts getting names. CSI. Uh, Officer Arvington. He was on four episodes of uh, CSI. Uh, but then he goes back. He, he was in Freaky Links, a TV series. Remember that? I think Ethan Embry was in that show. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I can because I can see the uh, the whatever poster or whatever. He's that was like a very early effort to capitalize on the internet. Cop number two. Poor guy. Uh, let's see, Officer Griffith. From The Bold and the Beautiful. Uh, I believe that's a soap opera. I think you're right. Uh, let's see. A security guard and detonator. Um, let's see. Uh, a DA agent in American Reunion. Uh, uh, oh, no. American Reunion. Is that the uh, the American Pie thing? Uh, I believe so, yes. I don't remember. Uh, sadly, I, I watched that. I just don't remember a DEA agent in it. I don't either, but... Let's see. Uh, uh, House, Marshall Brady. So, you know, a kind of a officer, I guess. Uh, maybe House opened some things up because he was on, in a TV movie, not the TV show, but in a TV movie called Supernatural in 2005, where he played CIA agent Di Donato. Huh. But this is the... the uh, the, the key thing to this, I think. Um, so let me find it because it's up here. It's pretty recent. Uh, 2019. Uh, he played Colonel Davis. So he's he's risen all the way to a colonel in the army now. Uh, in this, Taco Bell, colon, nacho fries, colon, retrieval, which is a video short from 2019. It's not a commercial. It doesn't say commercial. It's a video short from 2019, apparently about Taco Bell's nacho fries. Huh. Sadly, you know he's going to be the person updating his IMDb page. Oh, yeah. When Taco Bell's nacho fries vanish, one man must go further than any man has gone before to bring them back. I wonder if he's the man. I don't know, but I imagine if you ate nacho fries, you probably would have diarrhea the next day. (laughs) Like just for fun, go on Twitter and like search Taco Bell diarrhea. All sorts of hilarity, <laughs> hilarity pops up doing that. Uh, his most recent role was in 2019 in a TV miniseries called Too Old to Die Young. And he played Detective Gomez. Wow. Gomez, huh? Yeah. Interesting because he, you know, like he's he's definitely got that look. I see why he's been typecast in this way. Because he de- he looks like a cop or or some kind of uh, 
you know, like agent authoritarian type figure. Yeah, but he does not look in any way like a Gomez. Oh, hey, um, apparently he just walked in the room and he arrested me. Well, I mean, I guess he could have. Here's his biography. Collins played linebacker and guard at Brother Rice High School in Bloomfield Township, Michigan. Oh, no, that's funny. (laughs) He was a football writers association, first team, all American, second team, associated press at Notre Dame in 1974. Hell, he was the he was the leading tackler on Notre Dame's national championship team in 1973, garnering 18 solo stops in a showdown victory over the defending national champions, Southern California. (laughs) Um, Wow, that's crazy to think of either of those teams in a uh, meaningful bowl game. Right. Uh, Let's see. He had 16 uh, tackles in a Sugar Bowl victory versus Alabama that secured the national title for Notre Dame. Collins was taken in the second round of the 1975 NFL Draft by the 49ers, the 35th overall selection. He later played for the Seattle Seahawks in 1976 and for the Buffalo Bills in 1977. Apparently, not much came from his football career and unfortunately for him, he played during a time period where, you know, they didn't make great money. <laughs> Wasn't an Alabama team the one that uh, Forrest Gump was doing kickoff returns for? That's true. He must have tackled Forrest Gump at least a couple times. No, actually, I think Forrest Gump, uh, unfortunately, would be way before that yeah. because Vietnam, you know, and all yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I think he went to school in, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, uh, Wallace was there to desegregate the schools or try to stop the, stop the desegregation of the schools when he was there. So that must've been the early sixties. Kennedy. Like 62 maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. Could you, could you make Forrest Gump nowadays or, or like this innocent, like let's be honest, vaguely retarded person, Mm -hmm. like just like, you know, makes light of like horrible situations in our history. I don't think so. I don't think. No, my mom chased him off the broom. Those raccoons. It's like no, I feel like a racial slur, horse. Yeah, I don't. I don't think uh, you could. Uh, I don't think you could do that anymore. And I think technically, uh, Forrest Gump is legally retarded because uh, he does have an IQ of seventy-two. I believe they say. I think it's just seventy. See, I think he's like a, a point or two off from like whatever the minimum to go to the school is. So I'm yeah. not sure. I, I'm thinking it's like 75 is the minimum because I think up to 70 is like clinically, you know, not even like just being a dick to say the word. I think that's clinical, but I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Did you know they have Forrest Gump jerseys at the uh, at Lids, like the the baseball hat store? Jesus, really? Yeah, it's just, it's like an Alabama jersey. This is Gump on the back, which is kind of funny because Alabama doesn't have names in their jersey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Colleges. Well, yeah. Alabama doesn't have names at all on their jersey. And they want to fully exploit the uh, athletes. Right. And if you, uh, it, you know, even schools that do when they sell their jerseys. Actually, are there any schools that do? I don't think there might not be. With a name, I imagine they don't. But if you, but when you sell them, obviously they can't have the name. It can only be the number. Right. Yeah, the number two uh, Michigan jersey is obviously a Charles Woodson jersey, but you know they 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 have to give him some kind of money for that, so they wouldn't do that. Yeah, exactly. Then they wouldn't be able to uh, hoard all the money for themselves while charging exorbitant rates to go to their school. Basically, uh, college football programs are concussion factories where uh, they just uh, you know make money off them, uh, then spend more money discreetly to get the best players, and then have them get concussed. Yep, exactly. Uh, we... I mean, I mean, they don't pay the players. Oh man. So anyway, um so yeah, that was the episode of House. Um 
Uh, no, such so thing. Okay, so pregnant woman driving. She she, um, she swerves. Uh, then she collapses. Uh, obviously, she gets to house. I don't think there's any explanation as to yeah, why. He thinks she's driving the husband because he's been drinking, and the cop thinks she's drunk for some reason, but then she just kind of like collapses. Yeah, it's kind of weird how stupid they make this cop. Like cops yeah. are cops are trained in first aid and shit. So like the first thing he would think would be my the like a quick aside. Uh, my wife uh, with her first child, um, you know, she's a diabetic and. She had taken she had to be on sliding scale insulin when she was pregnant because uh, being pregnant can throw, you know, even if you're not diabetic, can throw your blood sugar way off. Um, So she took some insulin and she this is what she did every day. She would take some insulin, then she'd get some breakfast on the way to work at McDonald's uh, and, you know, eat the breakfast and that would, you know, she'd be fine. Well, in on this day, for some reason, it was taking a lot longer than usual. So, you know, she got her stuff and then she just kind of sat it next to her and forgot to eat it because she was already starting to go into like uh, insulin shock. And she only got like a couple blocks down. But, you know, like she's driving and everything and um, she's all like disorientated and she ends up getting pulled over by a cop who's like, you know, he, do, he did add, he like comes over and he's like, hey, have you she's been- like, wait, don't I recognize you from such films as uh, Independence Day? <laughs> he is. He does live here. So. Um, but she was like, uh, you know, he goes, you know, Hey, you know, uh, you okay. Have you, you know, have you had anything to drink today? And she's like, no. And then like a second later, like he sees she's pregnant and everything. And she's like talking, but she's not making a lot of sense. And he goes, um, Hey, uh, are you diabetic? (laughs) And she goes, and she goes, why? Yes, I am. How did you know that? And he's like, yeah, you need like, so he, like he, she got some orange juice and he's like, you need to drink this. And then, you know, he, he called in. Uh, you know, some medical people and everything, and she got glucose and she was fine. But like, he knew what to do and he knew the questions to ask because they're they're trained for this. Nice. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I thought that was kind of dumb. But uh, he she gets the house and uh, they're not sure exactly what's going on with her. Um, yeah, she she tells him that she's had you know several miscarriages before this, mm-hmm. and she's very fearful for the baby's life. Um, her kidneys and the liver functions off a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, this this next scene, did you believe this for a second that this was actually happening? What, what which one? I'm trying to remember what comes next. Where like House is like giving a Vogler a diagnosis of stage four cancer. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so out of character. It's like there's no way this is real. It's. It breaks down. I don't know if it's supposed to like if it's supposed to be real or, or I mean I don't know if like any, if for any instance we're supposed to think it's real. Um, I'm trying to remember back when I first watched this. I, I might have for a split second, and, but once he said stage four cancer, I would have been like, yeah, they're not gonna. That's not how they're gonna resolve this, you know. Yeah, it's kind of nice because you know the show's not like that. That like you know poorly organized. Like, ah, oh, let's just kill him off with this. But I mean, it's like uh. It's weird because is that like a is that like House's version of a good dream where somebody knows has like incurable like disease, <laughs> right? So he's or like, in theory, at least, I think he said his drug would cure it. Or yeah, he's like, well, you've got stage four cancer, and like you know, he's like, oh, with these trials, you know, and everything, and um, you know, <laughs> Vogler's like, oh, you've been so kind to me, Doctor House. Uh, you know, when I think about how how I treated you. I just, I feel so ashamed of everything. And of course, at that point, you know, it, it, it can't be real. Um, so I think maybe house is just so arrogant to think that he could just cure the stage four cancer. 
like he doesn't he doesn't necessarily like hope the sodom he's like i'd be able to cure it and that'd be you know worth him uh, you know lying these right so uh so you know he uh he go he says this is kind of a funny line too he's like He's like, you know, I think you'll be okay, but uh, you know, just in case, I ordered a extra jumbo-sized coffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good too. And then Chai McBride says, "Hey," and then it's Foreman's voice because he's waking up House and basically telling him, you know, what's going on with the case. House is hiding out in the clinic because you know he doesn't want to see Vogler uh, since he publicly trashed his um, his drug in the last episode. Uh, and obviously Vogler's going to be on the warpath. And uh, for those of you that don't remember, Cameron decided to leave uh, in the previous episode. So she's not in this episode at all. Um, yeah. And then how, you know, after he gets a little bit of information, uh, you know, Foreman tells us what the case says. She has normal blood pressure, but she has no coordination. Mm-hmm. House is like, oh, it's an autoimmune disease. He goes, oh, by the way, Cameron quit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Foreman's like, she didn't quit. You know, she, you had to fire her because you couldn't give a fucking speech. And um, so I think does she is does she choke before this or after this? A- a- after this, okay. like uh, Ch- Chase and Foreman go to visit her, and then she starts choking on like a like a very soft piece of hair. Oh yeah! And like after they like they, they get her together, she goes, "I can't swallow," and their her husband goes, "God damn it!" And just <laughs> I thought the same thing when she said, that. <laughs> but um. Yeah, this is a great moment, too, because uh, they're riding up in the elevator. <laughs> Foreman says to Chase, um, here, pussy, pussy, pussy. <laughs> and he's like, he's basically saying, like, you know, you didn't say anything to House. Like, you didn't stand up to House at all. You're a fucking, you know, weakling. And um, they start arguing back and forth to each other. And then they walk into the room. He's like, hi, you know, I brought my uh, my colleague here yeah. to- it's like it's like you know orgasmo. Yeah. Like uh, he's like he's like guards, more guards, and he's like beat that. He's like, well, hello. <laughs> exactly. It's like that kind of like you know transition. Yeah. So um, yeah, she starts choking. So they tell House about that, and uh, you know House House says, you know, what did she choke on? And he's like, you know, she she's choking on uh like wet pear, wet cooked pear. Then um, it cuts to Norm McDonald. He goes, uh, a man goes to the uh, hospital with his wife who's in a coma. <laughs> Doc, she's choking. <laughs> I like how you can tell when he tells it on Conan. Like, Conan immediately knows a joke he's telling, but he's oh, like, yeah. like a deer in the headlights. He like, he knows it's going to be hilarious still, but he's like, oh, he's like, this, there, there's no comedic surprise for me. <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so uh, he says, you know, hey, that's way, that's way more than you know some difficulty swallowing. That's there's got to be some swelling uh, there because you know it's not normal. And he said, check her eyes too. Um, so they go and they check. And they think they they see she has vasculitis, which I don't know what that is. It's basically it's an inflammation of the uh, the veins or, and the arteries. Ah, that's right. Yeah, and then like she starts to go to like premature labor. Actually, I think. Yeah, and I think she's. I want to say she's like twenty six weeks or twenty seven weeks or something like that. Yeah, she's she's like ten weeks uh, shy of where you should be. I think. Mm-hmm. Which well, this always annoys me. You know, people always say you're like nine months. Per, like, oh, in nine months, you know, you'll have a baby. It, it's it's forty weeks. That's easily you know ten months. Yeah, it's just ten months. 
Yeah, it is. Like, I don't. And you know how much easier it would be? Like, oh, I'm a quarter of the way there. I'm halfway there. You don't have to be like, well, let's see. I have to divide uh, by nine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they. I don't know why they say nine months because my my wife yeah, everyone, that all, all the time too. That it's really technically the ten months. Yeah, then at like nine months, you have all these poor women like, oh my god, the babies do any day now. Mm-hmm. Oh man, but uh, but yeah. So um, yeah, it turns out she's got vasculitis and everything. And, um, they do, I think they do, yeah, they need to do an x-ray. Um, they bring Wilson in and they say they need to do an x-ray because they stopped the labor. Um, and she, he says, she says, isn't that, you know, bad for the baby? And he goes, this is important because they've seen, you know, these different signs. So they do the x-ray on her chest and they discover that she has cancer. Uh, lung cancer, pretty advanced small cell lung cancer. Yeah, small cell, which is like the more aggressive, I believe, of the types of cancers. I mean, obviously, no lung cancer is good, but that's like you know even worse. Yeah, small cell, be- large oat cell cancer. I mean, all all lung cancers are pretty bad, but large oat cell cancer moves uh, a lot slower than small cell uh, cancer does. And before this, like when they see that, our the doctor knows their eyes drooping. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, does your wife always droop like that? Right. It just seems like a really kind of awkward question. Seriously. Because one thing I, like, what if it did, but the guy didn't notice? But I feel that if you were married to a droopy-eyed bitch, you'd, uh, you'd know it. Who couldn't swallow. Yeah. Um. So, uh, basically. Or uh, bear children. <laughs> Wilson uh, basically explains to him that, because uh, he's like, you know, oh, but she had a seizure or whatever. And he says, you know, they use this, uh, they'll use this more often than just this episode because it's kind of an easy cheat. Although, honestly, the medical mystery is not really the the point of this episode. Um, but he says that, uh, you know, at times when people have cancer, they can develop what's called perineal plastic syndrome, which basically is your immune system uh, is trying to fight against the cancer. But your immune system, this is one of the, the you know, uh, terrible things about cancer your immune system really can't tell the difference between cancer cells and healthy cells so it starts to just attack any cells and um you know it can attack cells in the brain and that causes uh perineoplastic syndromes um and he said uh, that the droopy eye told them where the cancer was because apparently lung cancer produces the uh, like a specific set of perineoplastic uh problems um, and I can't remember what he said, but he said it's something sign, so, uh, some doctor's name sign, uh, that droopy eye thing. So they, uh, you know, she needs, she need it's, it's metastasized. Uh, so they can't do surgery. They need to do chemo and radiation. Uh, and you know, she says, but you know, isn't that, I can't do that with the baby. Right. And he said, we'll need to, you know, schedule a C-section. You'll, you'll need to you know, have the baby before you can do this. Yeah. And they put that baby survival odds at 80%, which obviously you'd rather be a hundred percent, but I mean, it's not terrible. No 20. And I think that, yeah, I think it's 27 weeks at this point. 27 weeks is, is, is pretty viable. I mean, 80% might even be a little bit low. Obviously, you know, you'd want to, you'd rather be in the thirties, uh, as far as weeks go, but it's, um, sure. You know, it's not, it's not terrible. And, you know, we we find out why basically she's so hesitant to to do this, but she says that she would rather uh, she'd rather carry for a few extra weeks 
Uh, no, I think she says one more week, the baby's chances will be 90%, but yeah. the cancer is so aggressive that even that would, you know, make it harder to treat and lower her odds. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, even with chemo and radiation, her odds aren't great. Um, she, you know, I think, I think he says the, the five year survival rate is something like, uh, I don't know, like 20% or something like that. It's it's pretty low. Jeez. Um, so she, she wants to, she wants to hold off, uh, you know, in order to do it. And the husband obviously doesn't want her to do that. Um, then we, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think what else happened. Actually, I think we need to go to the other thing before we go to the rest of this, because, okay. uh, all right, so and and uh, Vogler eventually finds House, and uh, you know he basically is just like you know throwing the riot act at him. He's just like you know just dumping all over him. He basically tells him uh, that um he tells him he wants him to resign. He wants his resignation on his desk by the morning, uh, or he will destroy him professionally. Yeah, and then he said, you know, he points out that it's very you need a unanimous decision from the board to fire him. But I mean, Vogler, you know, can he's got more people than House is comfortable with, and he, you know, he can make it very uncomfortable for him. And what he does in order to do that is he um, goes ahead and he gets rid of uh, Wilson. Yeah, I like Wilson's. Like Wilson and House have a conversation before before the board meeting, uh, and. Um... You know, he, like, yeah, yeah Vogler at the meeting says he'll take his $100 million donation away if he doesn't get fired house. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, they, they, they move James out of the, the meeting. They get rid of him just from the board, not from the hospital. Uh, but, um, Wilson points out that obviously this looks horrible on his resume. Uh, and he was given the option to resign, uh, you know, which would look better because it would look like he purposely, you know, decided to leave. Um, so he took it. And uh, so, yeah, it's not good. That was the one person that was voting to keep house. So uh, the next, you know, you have to have 24 hours. As Wilson reminds us, you need 24 hours to, um, to you know, uh, can reconsider uh, a motion. So. Uh, he's like, you know, it doesn't matter tomorrow. You'll be gone too. Uh, and everything. So he, uh, they, they have another meeting and, um, well, I guess, I guess we can go back to the, the, another meetings planned. That's what's coming up. Um, the, the, uh, oh, I guess we should, we should probably talk about the clinic patient too. Cause that kind of, that, that's sort of important to the storyline here. Sure, uh, go ahead. uh, this couple comes in with their baby. Uh, Olive Kaplan, and uh, um, the baby has gone from the 25th percentile to the third percentile in weight in, I think, a month, he says, or something like that. And he says, you know, babies aren't supposed to shrink. And they uh, they talk about how they had, they had the baby on a vegan diet, like Whole Foods and, and all this stuff. Um, and, you know, House points out that, that babies need fats and proteins and things like that to grow. Uh, so the CPS gets called on them or whatever, uh, whatever New Jersey's equivalent of that is child, you know, protection or child services or whatever it is, uh, over there. And they, you know, <laughs> the social worker is very aggressive is like, uh, you know, we're taking, you, you know, we're taking your baby away from you. Cause you know, you're, you're being charged with trying to starve your baby. <laughs> and, um, so 
they come back and they say to House, you know, my uncle is a nutritionist. You know, he went to college and everything, she says. Uh, and he's the one that advised us on this diet and had all the stuff that a baby's supposed to need. And, you know, he's like, okay. So he he orders a test done uh, on her to deter, you know, cause as a hunch of what could cause her to lose this kind of weight, um, y- you know, as opposed to the diet. And uh, the test results come back. And I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what, like hypothalamus or something like that, I think. Something with a thymus gland. I don't yeah. remember if it was hypothalamus or what. But anyway, so it's that, that's what it turns out it is. Um, with the uh, the mother, she uh, they they're going to try to get her into this trial. They want to house wants to increase her odds. So there's a trial going on in the hospital for exactly the type of cancer she has. Um, she uh, she's pregnant, which would exclude her from the uh, from the, t- the trial because you know she'd have to have a C-section, which is major surgery, and you can't have major surgery, you know, right before you're taking place in a clinical trial, excuse the results and, and everything. Uh, but they lie about it basically. Um, and then Vogler finds out about it. She's about to have the C-section so that she can go into this clinical trial. Uh, Vogler stops the C-section and then him and house have this shouting match, which, uh, I really like this argument scene because you can so easily see both sides, you know, uh, house comes on and he's like, uh, you know, you're killing. He basically screams across the hospital, "You're killing her!" And then they, uh, you know, they meet in the the middle of the hallway and they have this argument. And you know, he says, "You know, it's her, it's her body, it's her choice, or whatever, to have this trial." And uh, Vogler points out, he's like, he's like, it's this guy's study, <laughs> you know, like this guy's doing this study. He has a right to be informed about the patients. And, you know, House is like, you know, he says, you know, it could skew the odds and everything. And House is like, oh, one little blip. And he, and Vogler points out, which is true, you know, he goes, have you ever heard of the FDA? They eat blips for breakfast. You know, like uh, this could absolutely, he's like, you could have put, you know, you could have put this entire study in jeopardy, which if it works, could, could uh, remove a life-saving protocol that could like, you know, cure and save hundreds or, or thousands of people's lives, you know, for this one patient. It's Vogler's looking at, you know, the long run and House is looking at his individual patients, basically. Um, and it's it's a really interesting argument, like I said, that where you can see both sides of of, you know, why they want to do uh, what they're doing. And uh, so then um you know, obviously she she can't get the uh, the thing, the the uh, the clinical trial. She uh, she starts to, I think she oh she starts bleeding into her abdomen, uh, and there's basically nothing they can do. They need to they they need to go in and repair. Uh, they need to do a C-section to do it. Um, and if they do that, she's probably going to die. Uh, so. They come to the they come to the husband with the horrible decision of hey you know this is this is what's gonna happen you know if we give her the C section your baby has a good chance of living she's probably gonna die um, if you uh, if you don't do the C if you don't do the C section they're they're both probably gonna die uh, but it's I guess there's more of a chance 
that she would live. So he ends up getting the consent from the husband. They do the C-section. She dies, but the baby lives. Also, I forgot to mention before, this house has a conversation with her and points out that she, like, she's talking about when she was talking to her husband when he, uh, she was talking about not wanting to have the C-section. And she said, you don't know what it would be like to to have a sick baby. And, um, you know, House points out, he's like, you you told your husband you don't you you don't know what it's like to have a sick ba- sick baby. You never said you didn't know what it would be like. And he's like, this isn't your first baby. And she she says, she was married before, uh, had another baby. She never told her husband about it. Uh, I guess the baby got Alexander's disease or something like that. Um, Some, yeah, I'm not sure what it does, but it's it sounded bad. Yeah, and 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 her her daughter died, um, and she divorced her husband because. You know, he was a reminder of this daughter like every day. So, you know, sad story, but she didn't want to go through that again. Uh, and so she, um, you know, that's why she was so passionate about this. Um, but she does end up dying. And then uh, the baby lives. Uh, the husband's, you know, like crying and everything, of course, uh, but but holding his baby. So, you know, maybe there's uh, there's hope, uh, you know, for his future a little bit. Um like I said, Cuddy finds out that, uh, you know, that he was right about the Thalamus thing for this uh, this other kid. And um, she's like, oh, I'll call CPS and, and, you know, tell him to drop all the charges and everything. And he says, you know, he tells her basically what the treatment is. Like, you know, do this and do that. And she says, you know, you're not going to follow up on the case. And he says, I assume that I'm not going to be here. Um, so then, they, you know, they this is the like the conclusion. They have the board meeting. Um. They do the vote, and Cuddy decides not to vote to remove House. Uh, he, you know, Vogler's like, uh, you know, seri- like Vogler's basically like, come on, you know, uh, what what changed from yesterday to today? And she said, you know, he saved, you know, another life or what? Like, you know, he talks. She talks about the kidneys, like, so he saved another life. He's like, and and she said, you know, probably. And he's like, it's it. That's what we do. You know, this is. A hospital saving lives is what we do. It's what he does. It's what he's great at. And, you know, Vogler reiterates his belief that uh, that healthcare should be run like a business, and that's the way he wants to run it and everything. And then, uh, you know, he says, well, you know, then you're going to have to leave the room, Cuddy. And uh, she, she says um, to the people, she's like, you know, if, you know, if you – Basically, she gives this speech about, um, you know, how, you know, okay, you can remove me, you can remove Wilson, like, you know, who who's going to be next that, that stands up to, to Vogler and everything to, to get removed. Um, you know, she says, uh, you know, if, uh, if this $100 million is worth that much to you, then, uh, then, you know, he's right, Vogler's right, and, you know, he owns you. And she's like, so, you know, good luck with your decision might be the last uh, real decision you have around here. And then she leaves and then they they celebrate because uh, he lost. Um, you know, they uh, there were a number of doctors that uh, voted against removing uh, Dr. Cuddy from the board. Um, I think that makes Wilson feel. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um yeah. Nobody likes me. <laughs> so Vogler took his hundred million dollars and left. That's the uh, that's the end of of Edward Vogler uh, and and his uh, reign over this uh, this season. But um, 
But yeah, that's basically how the uh, how the episode ends. What did yep. you what did you think of this one? This one's a little different in the fact that the medical mystery gets solved about halfway through or so. Um, you know, like I said, it's not so much about the medical mystery; it's more about the the moral questions, uh, you know, surrounding um, you know her and what she wants to do as far as uh, you know her treatment goes, and then obviously the Vogler stuff. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked the brief uh, period of Vogler on there. I'm glad it wasn't on a lot longer because it probably would have got tiresome. You know, like uh, like oh, I voted you out. No, I didn't. Oh, I did. did no, I didn't. Um, right. I assume Cameron. I assume Cameron will be coming back after this, um, which is fine. I mean, she's gone this one episode. Like, she, I don't know. Maybe she had a vacation week planned or something. Right. What if she says? Does she? I always wonder. Like, you know, how people get paid so much per episode. Mm-hmm. Is that just averaged out over the entire season, or is it like every episode they appear? In? Because sometimes some will, will be in like an episode of a TV show for like one scene. Do they get the full paycheck? I believe it's per episode, like per episode that you actually appear in. Um. So if you're not in the in an episode that week, you don't get paid. Um. And I do believe that uh yeah if you're if you're in even one episode or one scene i believe it's i believe it's generally the same rate of pay i know there's so it depends i guess if you're like a series regular i think if you're a series regular then your contract basically stipulates that doesn't matter how how much you work you get whatever you know your salary is um for like uh you know, um, not extras, but like background players and like bit players and stuff like that. They might go by um, uh, SAG minimums because there's there's minimum wage, uh, but it's based on hours. It's based on hours worked, and they they stipulate what counts as like like if you're doing uh, one scene, then like the rehearsal and table read time and stuff like that all gets kind of taken into account as, to, as far as what you make. But there's uh, there's SAG minimums for hourly. Fair enough. Oh, have you like, tried to get a hold of uh, that lady who did the Pennies from Heaven movie yet? I'm. Uh, I'm. I sent her uh, one thing on Twitter today, and I'm going to uh, uh, follow up with some uh, some more uh, Twitter uh, Twitter messages um, tonight. Very good. Yeah, I'd like to get her on the main show. That's uh, that's my big goal right now. Yeah, that that'd be something. God, that movie. I'm telling you. That's that's a that's a fucking movie right there. But that is uh, that is the episode for the week. Uh, next week, I don't know what episode it is, but I'm sure it'll be a good one because season one is generally pretty good. Uh, but anyway, until next time, we will uh, talk to you later. Bye. See you next time.